Hello and welcome to Overanalyzing Survivor. I'm your host Matt. And I'm JR. Join us as we discuss and dig deep into the various topics about Survivor. For this episode, we're going to give our reaction and review of the first episode of Survivor 43. So JR and I just finished watching the first episode. Before we go through what happened, any first impressions? <laughs> what are we talking about? Exactly. As an overall thing, did you enjoy it? Or <laughs> after not watching Survivor for years, you know? <laughs> it's not different, but it's surprising that it actually kept up, like how it was shot and everything. Mm-hmm. You expect it to look like old Survivor. But more HD. But the technology obviously kept up. Well, obviously, they're shooting in probably 4K. They have drones. They have slow-mo. A lot of it is shot in a YouTube kind of style where it's like slow-motion footage, wide-angle shots, more than it is movies. Mm -hmm. But that's also not necessarily bad. It's a different style, but it's up to date. Mm. Let's talk about the episode. In the... I guess the kind of intro part, we were shown various players talking about why they're on Survivor, their life. I like that there was an Earl Cole mentioned, the winner of Survivor Fiji. (laughs) He was mentioned by James, if I'm not mistaken, the chess player. (laughs) First impressions of them, a lot of them have kind of sad stories. And it, it seems like a lot of them are fans of the show at least. So they'll be able to give us a good show of strategy and stuff. After that initial intro part, the players got to the beach where Jeff was waiting for them. The three tribes are Vesi, Baka, and Coco. They didn't explain where the names came from. (laughs) Random syllables. (laughs) Because usually they base it on, if not the location on the theme but there's no theme this season so I don't know maybe those are relevant in Fiji or something I don't know (laughs) then after a bit of kind of interview segment with Jeff and the players we got to our first challenge which was for reward the reward was the winner would get their supplies of a pot a machete and flint then everyone else would have to earn it by well we'll learn how they do it later but basically Jeff said that they had to earn it And Jeff said that, like in the previous two seasons, there would be no food provided in the beginning. I like that the puzzle wasn't the deciding factor because usually there's a puzzle in the end that's the great equalizer. I like that it was part of the challenge. You had to make a crate and then you would use it to get the flint. When all three tribes were already getting their flint, Cody, the guy who was shown in the interviews to be kind of a surfer dude, points out that they could shoot the flint into the bamboo so that it's easier to get. What was he other than a surfer guy? He talked about living in the moment and stuff. That's why he has a tattoo on his butt cheek that says living. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vessi, the red tribe, ended up winning and earning their supplies. Although JR kind of pointed out that the whole challenge and not getting their supplies seemed kind of pointless. It's not kind of pointless. It seemed like the most pointless thing in the world to me. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, you save a few. In their case, they saved 30 minutes. But it seemed useless for a lot of reasons. It just seemed like they wanted to show a game. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. The other tribes will eventually get their supplies with a 30-minute challenge, which everyone just completed with ease. And aside from that, everything doesn't seem to be relevant. Like, you see them building fires, but you never see them use fires for anything. Yeah, yeah. I guess the machete is useful because, you know, you get to chop the coconuts, but... And to build shelter. <laughs> I guess. But even that, you never saw them have to look for the bamboo. You never see them have to look for the leaves. It felt like everything was provided and it just felt like there was no survivor aspect of it other than the there were games and voting. Mm-hmm. But everything that had to do with surviving in an island felt like... It was just not there. I don't know. Or maybe there was just not anything interesting going on. There was no actual survivor as in survivalist element to it other than they were playing games and voting out people. Yeah, it did seem kind of strange that they didn't really show much. Was that normal though? Or usually they they show You know, people collecting bamboo, people collecting firewood. I mean, they did show them, like, carry bamboo for, like, two seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then try to make fires. But then, like I said, they didn't show what the fires were for. Yeah. They didn't even show them eating anything. What do they eat in the first three days? Well, if they can catch fish, then they eat fish. But sometimes they just end up eating coconuts or whatever fruits they can find stuff like that <laughs> and this is coming from watching the old survivor where they were actually hungry and they were like rationing their food i mean i guess this is early this is up to day three but still it felt like there was no immediate danger if you will of starving and stuff like that yeah probably <laughs> oh they also didn't show this was salt water right mm-hmm So they also didn't show water? Like, did they have water? Someone did mention that they had a well. Near salt water? Well, I think production actually makes wells for them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that if you have a well near salt water, that it's going to be contaminated most likely with salt water and you can't really drink it. Mm-hmm. Like, the wells near beaches are for, like, washing things. Yeah. still works as a game where you vote and do challenges. It's just that for this episode, at least, it felt like the survivalist element of it is actually not there anymore. I agree. <laughs> I would like to see a more people are actually in danger kind of survivor, which might still be a thing for future episodes. So I don't know. But yeah, it's possible that in the first three days, they didn't really... Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because you can just not eat for three days and survive without any problems anyway. So, yeah. The first tribe we were shown was the winning tribe, Vesi. Something that I noticed early and I pointed out to JR while we were watching. Cody, the surfer dude, he was getting a lot of confessionals that he was pretty much the narrator of the tribe. That can be a good sign and a bad sign for him. It could be that he's being put into the narrator role because he's going to be a big character in the season and can make it far. It could also be he's being shown to be a big character in the first few episodes, but then will eventually be voted out. Then we were shown that despite 
winning their supplies. Vesi has no experience building shelters. <laughs> I mean, is that a thing? Do people actually practice before going on Survivor? Yeah, some. And, well, some are construction workers and stuff like that. You know? Oh, well, there's that. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? Like, they showed the shelter collapsing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But they also didn't show them needing the shelter. Like, there were no night scenes, for one. Yeah. On the first three days, technically. I mean, the tribal council was at night, so yeah, sure. But, like, there were no, like, people trying to sleep and, you know, having problems. I guess it's really different now because people know what they're in for and, you know, it's like we're camping kind of thing. For them, it's not really a discomfort anymore, but I don't know. In this episode, yeah, I agree. They didn't really show much of people having a hard time surviving. It kind of focused more on the relationships of the people within the tribes. In fact, except for the tribe that ends up losing, which we won't reveal yet, they didn't really show much strategizing. (laughs) Then we were shown the tribes who lost the first challenge. They have a choice, savvy or sweat. Savvy would be, there's a puzzle which is, it's made of, did they look like real bones? (laughs) They could have been cow bones or something. Yeah, so there were bones that were set up in a certain number. Then they had four hours to figure out which two bones to move to create the largest possible number. Then sweat would be, there's an area where two tribe members and only two of them had four hours to dig through the sand and find their supplies. Baka, the yellow tribe, chose Savvy. And then Coco, the blue tribe, chose Sweat. And Ryan and Gio, they were the ones who volunteered to dig through the sand. (laughs) And what was funny was the... Sweat challenge, which was supposed to be hard and would take four hours, ended up taking them 30 minutes. (laughs) He was digging really fast as well anyway. Ryan, the guy that JR mentioned, he came up with the idea to have the two of them dig in an X-formation so that they would cover the most ground. And it worked. That's one of the reasons why JR said that the first challenge and the penalty thing was kind of pointless. Since it just took them 30 minutes to get their supplies anyway. I mean, there's also like, if they didn't get the supplies, what would happen? Again, they don't really show them using the fire for anything. Yeah. It felt like regardless of who won the first challenge, wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> And then back in the Baka tribe who chose Savvy, Sammy, who's the youngest player at 19 years old, figured out, I didn't really analyze it or anything, but apparently that's the highest number that you can get. <laughs> yeah, because that's the only way you could add a digit, basically. Mm. So it's actually surprising because I thought that it would be a, like a straightforward make the highest four-digit number. But I guess what the producers were expecting was they make the highest four-digit number, which would have been like 9800, I yeah. think. And then, oh, yeah, you could do that. But then, yeah, they figured out that you could make a five-digit number, which actually kind of felt like a cheap trick. Cause, yeah. <laughs> but, but okay. Sure. We then jumped back to Vesi, the winning tribe. We were shown some potential alliances that we were forming. First, we were shown Noelle and Justine. Noelle, her whole story is that she's an amputee. And Justine... What was Justine's story? <laughs> 
Is this the one that kinda looks like Kira Knightley? No. The one who started the fire. I think that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's her role. To semi look like Kira Knightley. Yeah. <laughs> Noel was actually interesting that they chose the running blade as her leg. Instead of a prosthetic leg. No, because for amputees, I don't know if this is also the case for her. You actually have different legs. Your running leg is different from your walking leg. Mm. So they could have given her two legs where she could have her walking leg for normal stuff and then running leg, running blade for challenges. But it looks like for her, it's the running blade the whole time. So that's kind of interesting. Is the running blade kind of not as comfortable? It bounces, basically. The regular foot doesn't bounce. So if you run, you need to bounce, right? Mm. Uh, If you just walk, once you put down your foot, it stays. So the running blade would always have a bounce. So I guess, yes, it would have less comfort. But it might also be countered by the fact that it's a beach, so it doesn't really bounce as Mm -hmm. hard. So maybe they tested it and figured, yeah, running blade is just going to be okay. Because, like, otherwise, give her two legs, right? Yeah. She was shown kind of moving awkwardly when she was just walking. The other side of the tribe, we were shown Cody, Jesse, and Neka. Uh, so Cody's the surfer dude. Jesse's the one who was a former gang member and now is in Duke. The gang member story was kind of... Like, I get it. He was, but it's also like it felt like it was ages ago. Yeah, when he was a teenager. <laughs> and then they just wanted to highlight something. Yeah. So Neka, I think her only thing is that she grew up in Nigeria. (laughs) (laughs) And she has an accent. She wasn't really shown doing much beyond that. (laughs) The only time she was shown, I think, was her explaining that she grew up (laughs) to other tribes. Well, maybe she'll get more airtime. (laughs) When she guests on Over Analyzing Survivor. But yeah, so those three were shown creating an alliance, at least early game alliance. We don't know if if that will stay in the succeeding episodes. Then we were shown Cody. He said that he's targeting Justine because Justine's a sales rep. And according to him, they can't trust people like that. (laughs) The funny thing is he's also in sales, but he didn't mention that (laughs) to his tribe mates. We were then shown the Baka tribe, Owen, in his interview, he seemed like a nice guy. He actually compares himself to Wu Wang, a player in Survivor Cagayan. You just compare yourself to the player with the same ethnicity. Yeah. That's <laughs> what, what everyone is doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Because even the black guy is the one that's comparing himself to the other black guy who won, right? Yeah. <laughs> Based on his interview, I didn't think that he would be kind of villainous. He was shown to make alliances with at least four people. <laughs> That could be dangerous for him if they find out that he's talking to everyone. <laughs> I mean, it seems like everyone so far is villainous. I don't know. Kinda. At least. That's also one of the changes I noticed in Survivor. Where before it's like they're actually good guys <laughs> trying to survive and then like one or two bad guys. Mm-hmm. But now it's like everyone's a bad guy. Like narrative-wise, everyone's lying, everyone's conniving. Yeah. Which is just totally not the case from like the first three seasons. Yeah. They're more strategic now and part of that is not giving all the information. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Sure. So then we were shown Coco, the blue tribe. 
Cassidy was talking about how she would like to have a women's alliance and then she started well she aligned with women namely Carla and Lindsay I don't really remember what Cassidy's whole story was did even mention what her story was I don't know <laughs> Lindsay is the kind of older woman and Carla's the Latina who's apparently LGBT and she's the one that was shown in the interviews to want to create chaos but she didn't really do anything like that in this that episode. is the weird thing right you expect her to be at least even in the confessional to be chaos chaos because in her interview with pre-season she was all about chaos and then here she's like normal yeah <laughs> so I, I don't know I don't know what's up with that maybe it's also a strategy not to show the producers or whatever but hmm. yeah we'll see we were shown Lindsay talking to James actually in that kind of title card that they have, so name, then their occupation. His occupation was event planner. So maybe he's not a professional chess player. He just plays chess. Maybe he competes in pro categories, but still needs to work. So James and Lindsay were shown talking. And then Lindsay mentioned that she has an alliance with the women. And at least to Lindsay's face, James agreed to work with the women. So that's a potential alliance. But then... <laughs> like we said in our predictions, he goes on to compare his tribe mates to pawns and himself as the king. So, <laughs> yep. Back at Baka, Gabler's the doctor who doesn't look like a doctor. He looks like a redneck. <laughs> Not to, you know. The proper term now is murka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the type, basically. He looks like that. But he's not. I mean, he... No, it's because he has a beard and he's wearing something that... It's actually not camouflage. It just looks like camouflage. Mm -hmm. So he looks very Duck Dynasty. <laughs> but isn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Maybe he's trying to look like he's not smart or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a strategy. I don't know. And then, speaking of hiding things from your tribe mates, Sammy, he tells his tribe mates that He's 23, <laughs> even though he's 19. Everyone's a liar. <laughs> so, although I do understand that he would like to lie about his age, because that could be something to target him for being that young. I don't get it, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I get it if people target you for being young because you act young, but just lying about the age doesn't, I don't know. Mm. And I think he said 22, but like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So back on the Blue Tribe, we were shown another possible alliance between Carla, Gio, and Ryan, the big dude who dug in the sand. <laughs> that's just him now. Yeah, that's his thing. <laughs> He's big. <laughs> he actually dug sand twice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> He's just proven to be good at digging sand. <laughs> He is, <laughs> by the way, if you're curious. He is. No, because he has a good scooping technique where he uses his elbows and instead of his hands. It's not just power. There's also form and etc. So did he practice digging? <laughs> Maybe swimming? Oh. I don't know. Because it looks like a stroke. Okay. So it's possible. Or just... <laughs> Never mind. No, you know what? No, he practiced digging. <laughs> I mean, if you know you're going to be in Fiji and if you know you're going to be known for your strength, you practice digging in the sand. 
then boats were arriving to the camps to pick up one player. Something that I did find interesting, someone mentioned Carla being a villain. So it could be foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean, she feels like the type. Yeah. So the boats came to the camps, picked up one player from each camp. So the players who went to the separate island were Carla from the Blue Tribe, Gabler from Yellow, and Dwight from Red. They had kind of a short journey to go on. They had to go to this rock in the... Is it kind of in the middle of the ocean? No. It's near the beach. Yeah. Basically, they had to walk through around knee-deep water or waist-deep water. Waste, at least. The other guy claims it's chest deep, but we actually never see it become chest deep. And that's the other confusing thing because they had a rope that they could pull on and just float, but they were never shown floating. They were always shown walking and just holding to the rope for support. So I don't know if it's actually really hard or they just wanted it to look hard, but it was actually not. There's Hollywood magic there. Yeah, <laughs> It's possible that they were actually told that they, Make it look hard. Yeah. <laughs> they were presented with a kind of prisoner's dilemma. It was risk or no risk. The difference between this and the previous two seasons was previously they made the decision privately. Then they would find that later on if they lost their vote or got mm. an advantage. Here, they each have two cards which said risk or no risk. Then they would reveal it to everyone. They actually didn't put a time limit on anything, right? They just like vote. Yeah, and everyone's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So the results of the vote was Carla didn't risk her vote and Dwight and Gabler did. Again, that's against the first impression of Carla being for chaos. <laughs> Apparently, she's more strategic than you think. <laughs> what happens if you're the only one who risks your vote? Because if two or three risk, one gets the idol and the two... Lose their vote. But what happens if only one risks their vote? Does that person get an idol? Or yeah. In that case, statistically, you always risk your vote. Yeah. So. Hmm. But there's still the risk of it. I mean, the social element, of course, plays out a lot. In terms of getting an idol, there's really no. Like, you should risk your vote. Mm-hmm. But, like, is getting an idol actually something you want to do is another question, right? That There's the thing. Yeah, because everybody is aware, having watched the previous two seasons, that if you go to that island, you have a chance to get some sort of advantage. So it's not really a secret if you find an idol. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like, what will happen here? Well, spoiler, the guy with an idol loses the immunity challenge, but he should have been voted out, but just no one votes for him because he has an idol and he didn't even need to play it. So it just, you know. Yeah. So there you go. That is one way to leverage yourself with an idol is to reveal to everyone that, hey, I have an idol. If you vote for me, you might be the one going home. But the smart way, if you can, hide your idol. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's smart to hide your idol, but in this case where you... Can't. You can't and you have the choice of getting an idol and not. Yeah. And just losing one vote is statistically, you just risk it. I guess it's more of convincing one of the other two to not risk their vote. Even if all three of you risk it, 
then you all lose your vote, but one of you gets the idol. No, which is... if all three, no one gets the idol. Ah, okay, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I guess it depends on your tribe dynamics. If you think losing your vote for one tribal is crucial to your game, then don't do it. I think if it's the late game, then yeah. Yeah. But if it's going into the first mm-hmm. tribal council, it's hard to understand why you wouldn't risk. Mm-hmm. But that's it. So after that summit thing, Dwight comes back and he basically, well, he didn't tell the whole truth. He told them that he could get an advantage, but he then goes on to say that they were in chest deep water, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get why you need to lie about that part. Because that is one of the reasons why Cody is suspicious of him. Yeah. Like why he's not as wet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... So I guess he just wanted to make it sound like an epic journey or whatever. He is wrong though. Like they're wearing like dry fit stuff and you're in the sun and you're wearing wet clothes on a boat ride. You will actually dry up is the thing. Yeah. Assuming you exerted effort. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, your shorts probably not, but the, the shirt will dry off. Mm-hmm. Then we were then shown Gabler doing well. So he told this tribe everything that he could get the chance and then through some editing magic they were shown opening the thing at the same time. So Gabler got an idol which is good for his next two tribals. Dwight loses his vote. Gabler has an idol but everyone knows he has an idol so he's still in danger somewhat. (laughs) Oh, can you give your idol away? No. Yeah. But if you give it away... That's theirs. And you can't... Unless they agree to give it back. Can you give it away after using it once? It's only one use. Did they say next two tribal councils? Yeah, that's the expiry date, basically. Oh, it's only good for two, but you can only use it once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Then there is a little reason not to get it early game because it's not that powerful well I mean for him it ended up being clutch but (laughs) but yeah then we then moved on to the immunity challenge so the first two tribes of finish would get immunity then the losers would go to tribal council and then lose their flint one factor in the end of the challenge there's a table maze where you have to shoot the balls into a hole and there are three different types of table mazes. Then whoever gets there first gets to choose which one they want. Then the rest get what's left. So some stuff to note in the challenge. Why did Janine have a hard time digging through that hole? <laughs> if you think about it, she's the smallest one. And she should be able to fit herself through the hole easier. <laughs> no, she dug a small hole and tried to squeeze through it instead of digging a hole big enough that you can mm. pass through. Yeah. I think at the end, she just dug a hole for her head, but her shoulders wouldn't fit. Mm. It's weird. Yeah, but Ryan's a pro. <laughs> Ryan practiced digging holes. <laughs> well, there was a kind of funny moment where James, the chess guy, was making himself the ladder. So he ended up being the last one to climb, but then he couldn't climb and his shorts were falling off. <laughs> he would have also gotten voted up for sure if they lost. I think. Well, that definitely wouldn't help. (laughs) Mm. So, at the end, the Blue Tribe, they got there first. They chose the maze 
it's three table mazes, but it's a table maze with a maze. Then the second tribe shows the straight shot, which is just a kind of runway to bring your ball through. Then the last tribe ended up with an obstacle maze thing. The other two were like debatable which one was easier, but the last one was definitely just harder for sure. Did someone say that the obstacle was easier? Jeff said that some people debate that the straight shot was the hardest. I don't think so. Yeah. Just no. Because <laughs> whatever makes the straight shot hard is also present in the obstacle thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. Some people may actually be saying that because mm-hmm. that is what he said, that some people say that. But I don't think it's the case. Yeah. The Yellow Tribe, Baka, ended up losing because they had the hardest table maze. <laughs> then back at their camp, Gabler goes on to make a speech. He tells his tribe that he feels responsible for their loss. And then he says that he won't play his idol, but he'll play his shot in the dark. Which if he actually did, would be incredibly stupid. <laughs> there was like times where I thought like he intentionally wanted to lose. You think he threw the challenge? No, I mean, they were going to lose anyway, but it felt like he wasn't trying. Hmm. I mean, it, he could be just really bad at <laughs> precision, but also being a heart surgeon, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it kind of makes sense if he threw that just to gain honesty points. Mm. He never said anything, but it felt like that was the plan. It's possible that he did make that speech to kind of gain trust. And the play of not playing your idol because blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It just felt like it's a planned out thing. Yeah. But yeah. after making that speech, we were then shown Ellie convincing Gable, Gable, Gabler not to yeah. play each other. I mean, make, yeah. Because, so, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Owen, Gabler, Ellie, and Janine were targeting Mariah. She's the girl who says that color is her superpower. According to them, that she's the weakest tribe member. Everyone does think that she's weak for whatever reason. and Yeah, yeah part of Survivor is the perception that you get. So mm. if people think that you're weak, then... While they were talking about that, she was being shown on camera struggling to open a coconut. I think it's less about strength and more of just not putting effort. <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't make sense. Because if you can't put effort in opening a coconut, then you're probably not going to put effort into challenges as well. So yeah. yeah. Then we were shown the other side of the vote, which was Mariah and Sammy talking. So Mariah, she thought that she had an alliance with the women. She was talking to Sammy to convince him to target Owen. Their reasoning being, they're a four-person alliance. Then the people on the outs were Owen and Gabler, but they want to keep Gabler. I guess part of it is because he has an idol, so it's dangerous to vote for him. I think it's mostly that. Yeah. Like what I said, the idol here actually came in clutch. Mm -hmm. Like just having an idol and not even having to play it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then before we followed them going to tribal, we were shown Janine talking to Ellie and bringing up the idea of possibly voting out Owen instead of Mariah. In editing, they had to show that so that there's some kind of suspense that maybe it's Owen. (laughs) They didn't really entertain it, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. We head to Tribal Council, which, yeah, it's our only night scene of the episode. (laughs) So the Tribal Council set, it's a 
kind of treetop village thing. It actually looks worse now than before because before it wasn't HD mm-hmm. and it looked real, but now it looks like a set. Or is that unique to this season? It changes every season. No, but does it just look like a set every season? It looks like you're in Disneyland or whatever. Like, you know, the part of Disneyland where there's the jungle. I think the Tarzan cruise or something. It feels like you're there or like waiting in line for a ride and it's a jungle-themed ride. Yeah, I get what you're saying. (laughs) Versus being in an actual ride. Like, you can actually see the detail in everything that it's props, which you couldn't feel in the non-HD seasons. (laughs) Because back then, it just looked all real. (laughs) The conversation in the tribal council revolved around how the Yellow Tribe, they were kind of kumbaya, supposedly. They were thinking that they were the final six. Which Mm. is, what? (laughs) I mean, it's not impossible. Like, they just need to win a few challenges, right? But yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, but to think that you would never lose a challenge is kind of naive. <laughs> I mean, it's still not impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jeff was kind of an ass about that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff is like that. Especially in the later seasons, he's kind of sassy. He's <laughs> <laughs> just an ass. <laughs> like, he wasn't an ass-ass. Like, he was kind of an ass. Yeah, he was clearly kind of making fun of them already. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> No, I think it's more of like what I tell you. It's like a lot of people have have the like the what's it the Dunning Kruger effect, where like you feel like you learn something and you know you can just beat everyone. I think he's mm. just had enough of that throughout <laughs> the forty three seasons, forty two seasons, and it's just you don't play Survivor once and you're not better than everyone. <laughs> he strongly gives that vibe. Is the thing. Kind of like an old man who's sick of all the <laughs> Like, yep. <laughs> Sammy kind of shuts down the whole thing about they won because they tried their best and blah, blah, blah. He says that Survivor's not a place for moral victories and they need to win to actually advance. <laughs> Jeff was also an ass about the moral victories. <laughs> I feel like Jeff's just had enough of Survivor at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Are you serious? I strictly remember he wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just he's just an old man now. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, they actually also don't the closest they show him is mid shots now. They don't go close up? They don't go close up anymore, I think, because of all the Botox, etc. Mm. In the challenges I get that. Because you're showing him in wide shots. With like whatever's happening in yeah. the background, right? But in Tribal Council, even when it makes sense to do a close-up, if you were a director directing the scene or editing it, it's just do a close-up now. Why not? Mm-hmm. Even in those scenes, you see that they don't do close-ups and it's actually weird. Like as an editor, as a director, as whatever, in my head, it's like, close up now. (laughs) And then they don't. It's just obvious that they do it on purpose. I mean, nothing wrong with that. If he doesn't want to show all the face work, then that's fine. But it's just that they sacrifice the quote-unquote proper editing to kind of make him look good. So Mariah was the first boot in a 5 to 1 vote. They showed episode 2 where there's a storm, apparently. Yeah. And we were shown Gabler in pain. And night vision. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did they actually really still show Night Vision mm-hmm. in Survivor? Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, because cameras now can essentially see in the dark. If it's like complete darkness, yeah, and then yeah, I guess, yeah, night vision. But if there's even like the littlest bit of moonlight, cameras now can actually see mm. that. Like it's not going to look good. No, sorry. It's not going to look great. But it's going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. I guess it's more a feel thing than cameras actually being able to capture whatever is happening. But, yeah. But yeah. Then we were shown, despite that, he was given a lot of confessionals. We were shown people talking about Cody being a possible target. So that's interesting. And well, Cody was shown jumping off a huge rock. <laughs> For <no reason. laughs> So yeah, so that was the first episode. I was surprised that they spent a lot of time in camp and that they only had one boot in the first episode. In the two-hour-long premieres, usually it's two boots. Although it is good that they showed camp stuff and the possible alliances. So, after watching, is this your first time to watch an episode in like 20 years? <laughs> I probably watch an episode of Survivor like before or after a WWE show in Jack TV okay. like in 2010s or I don't know. But yeah, I've obviously like seen like one or two, but it did look significantly different. Like I said, the footage technology is significantly better. The technical aspect of everything... Aside from them not zooming into Jeff, is <laughs> all better. They didn't need to rely on crane shots because they had drones. Yeah. So it looked a lot better. The dynamic range on cameras now are a lot better. So before, they could only shoot angles where the castaways were facing the sun, not facing the shadow. Now they just shoot the shadow and camera technology is that good that it doesn't matter. You can easily get the shot. So... It's just shot a lot better is the first thing I'd notice. And then the second thing I notice is everyone just lies now. <laughs> so that made it interesting. It does mean it's less of a survival thing, like we mentioned earlier, and more of a social game now, I think mostly. And plus challenges, which mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's just that if you're expecting survival stuff, then watch Bear Grills, I think is what that means. But yeah. yeah, we'll see in the next few episodes. For me, this episode wasn't terrible, but it's far from being an all-time great episode. <laughs> well, to me at least, it was just new, but it wasn't bad. If there wasn't anything else on, I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't just turn off the TV because of it, right? So it's, yeah, it's, it's fine. Thank you for listening to Overanalyzing Survivor. Thank you as well to Team4G Studios and Podcast Editors.online for making this podcast possible. If we may ask for a small favor, please share this podcast with your friends and family when you get the chance. It goes a long way in helping the show grow and is greatly appreciated. Once again, this has been your resident Survivor Geek Matt. And your I'm now watching Survivor again person, JR. We'll see you again in the next episode. In the meantime, grab your torches and head back to camp.